Father, we thank you. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Thank you for giving us the privilege to come before your word once again this day. Thank you for the entrance of thy word, bringeth light and understanding to the simple. I pray, Lord, that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer, that I might declare your word in this place today. Lord, as we're looking at mighty manifestations of the Spirit, we desire that the Spirit of God will rise amongst us like never before. The gifts of the Spirit will begin to manifest in our church and in our lives and through our lives like never before. Father, we press into this. Thank you, Lord. We give you the honor and the glory for all that you have been speaking to us about, opening the eyes of your people to see. Lord, even today I pray that you will give each one the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they might know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe the same power that raised Christ from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. Father, we thank you. Speak through me today and may every heart be receptive, every mind alert. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone say, Amen, Amen, Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are looking at the power gifts of the Holy Ghost. We have looked at the gift of the working of miracles. We've looked at the gifts of healings. And today, as we wrap up this category, we look at the gift of special faith. The gift of special faith. Verse number one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts. That's what we are looking at. Different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of gifts. There are nine of them, by the way. Nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But a manifestation, that's what uh, our theme is, mighty manifestations of the Spirit. But a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. We have looked at the gift of the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. We have looked at the gift of the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith. We shall look at faith today. That is special faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. We have looked at gifts of healings. As you can see, gifts and healings are plural. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. We've looked at the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. 
We haven't looked at that. We shall. To another discerning of spirits. We looked at discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. We haven't looked at that. We shall look at that. Uh, to another the interpretation of tongues. We shall look at that too. As you can see here, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues are the last three we shall be looking at in this series. These are the vocal gifts. These are the gifts that say something. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. We cannot overemphasize that. It is as the Spirit of God wills. Now, I want you to see verse number 31. I want you to go down to verse 31. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. It says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Very important. Earnestly desire the best gifts. What I've been, what I've emphasized is, we need to understand that these gifts will flow as the Spirit of God wills, but we have a responsibility, and our responsibility is to desire that these gifts will flow in us. In our church, of course, as a congregation, one of the things I've said to you is that God, using Paul the Apostle to write to the church, was writing to the church, not writing to one particular person in the church. So this is not for one particular individual. This is for the church. So for us here at the river, we have to all desire the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why I'm teaching along these lines. So that we all desire the gifts of the Spirit and we see the gifts of the Spirit flow and manifest in our church. As the Spirit of God wills. But our desire is important. That's why it says there in verse 31, But earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, so the question is, which one is the best gift? Well, I can say that the best gift is the one you need at the moment. The best gift is the one you need when you want God to come through for you. Right? The best gift for you right now might be the gift of the word of wisdom. Or the gift of discerning of spirits. It depends on the situation you find yourself. It depends on what's happening in your life or in, in the life of the people around you or in the lives of the people around you or in the life of the church. So the best gift is the one you need God to come through for you. The best gift is, is the one you need at the moment. If it's the, gifts, the gift of faith, then it's the gift of faith. And that's the best gift at the moment for you. If it's the gift of the working of miracles, then that's the best gift. You understand what I mean by that? But I want to emphasize the need for us to rise up in our desire for these gifts. Very important. All of us as a congregation rising up in our desire. Just 
beginning to pray and beginning to desire that these gifts will begin to operate in our midst. We want to see the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to see the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to see the utterance gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to see these gifts in our church. We want God to use us. See, so there is, there is need for us to desire. The Bible says, as the deer pants after the water brook, so does my soul pant after thee in a dry and a thirsty land. So we've got to desire, Lord, we desire, Lord, we are pressing in. Lord, we want the gifts of the Spirit to operate constantly in our church. Of course, you know, when the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate constantly in our church, regularly in our church, it will not just be the pastor it will not just be the leaders in the church. Everyone can be used by God in these gifts. That's why I told you that these gifts are not given exclusively to those that are in the full-time ministry. Yes, I understand that when those in the full-time ministry operate in these gifts, there is a much higher anointing and authority. You understand that? A prophet, for instance, who is in the full-time ministry will operate in two of the three revelation gifts on a regular basis, plus the gift of prophecy. So if you stand in the office of a prophet, you have to constantly operate in two out of the three revelation gifts, the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So you must constantly have Two out of these three gifts in operation in your life, in your ministry, constantly. Because a prophet sees dreams and visions. God actually testifying of his servant Moses. He said, if there is a prophet in Israel, I speak to him through dreams and visions. So prophets are men and women that see dreams and visions regularly. Because God said, I speak to them through dreams and visions. But not so with my servant Moses, a man that I speak to face to face as a man speaks with his friend. So a prophet will constantly have two of the three revelation gifts in his ministry, constantly, plus prophecy. Well, I believe... If you stand in the office of a pastor, you must constantly have the revelation gifts in operation. Constantly. The gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom and discerning of spirits. That is supernatural pastoring. That is supernatural pastoring, knowing things that's happening or things that happened or things that will happen. Knowing the spirit that's working in the people. That's discerning of spirits. And of course, when I talked about discerning of spirits, I wasn't talking about discerning of demons because some people, all they see are demons. No, when we talked about discerning of spirits, we also said it is possible to see Jesus. By the grace of God, I've been privileged and honored to see Jesus a few times. We also talked about the possibility of seeing angels. Angels are spirits in the realm of the spirit. So we can also access the realm of the spirit 
where angels reside. And by God's grace, I told the story. Years ago, I saw a dream and I saw all these angels that were helping us in the work of, of reaching the, 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 the harvest and bringing in the harvest in this nation. And the Lord gave me, when I woke up from that dream, the Lord gave me the book of uh, Acts chapter 10. Where Cornelius saw an angel in his time of prayer. And the angel said, your prayers and your arms giving us come up to God. Uh, have come up to God, have come up to God as a memorial. Now send to Joppa and call one man by, by the name Simon. And when he comes into your house, he shall tell you what you need to do. Amen. So uh, you do need, so you need as a pastor, you need the, 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 the revelation gifts in operation constantly in your life. Constantly. Very important. As an evangelist, you do need the gifts of healings. You need the gifts of healings. I mean, you go, you, 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 you pack out a stadium, you pack out an auditorium, you obviously cannot lay hands on everybody. You have 100,000 people watching you. You have 100,000 people in the place. Uh, the other time, Reinhard Bonke was in Nigeria. He had a million people in one place. One million people. How can you pray for all of them by laying on of hands? No, you can't. But you stand there on the, on the platform and you pray. And the gifts of healings will, will begin to manifest. And people begin to get supernaturally healed wherever they are. Amen. So an evangelist, would, you do need the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. Amen. The Bible talks about, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 8, where it talks about Philip the evangelist who went into the city of Samaria and, 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 and great joy came to the city. The Bible says they kept seeing the miracles that he continually performed. Praise God. So, so of course, when you operate in the, 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 one of the five-foot ministry uh, gifts, you will have these gifts in operation, the, the nine gifts of, in, of the Holy Spirit in operation in your life on a regular basis, more than, more than I believe a regular church member would. But we all must rise up in this. And I believe this is one of the things that we see in the church at Corinth, that they were, the, I mean, they did not lack in the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of uh, the vocal gifts. They had the vocal gifts in the church at Corinth. That's why Paul wrote them and said, hey guys, God's not a God of confusion, but a God of order. So everything needs to be done orderly. Let two or three prophets speak and let others keep quiet. Because <laughs> people were standing up and giving a word in tongue and giving a word, giving a word of, in, 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 of prophecy and all of that. And there was chaos and confusion. So I also understand that when you start teaching and preaching along these lines and, and believing God that the people in your church will rise up in this area, I also understand that there is that aspect where, where people are going to miss it. And it's okay. I mean, when I say it's okay, I mean that you cannot throw this thing entirely out the window because of a couple of people that are going to miss it. No. You can't throw it out of the window because of some people that are going to miss it. If, if you keep teaching along these lines and people keep learning how these things work and operate, then 
they will do better next time. But to say, oh, we, we, we don't want to deal with this nine gifts of the Spirit thing because it causes confusion and, uh, and, and the people start seeing all kinds of weird dreams and people start prophesying all kinds of crazy prophecies and for that reason our church does not want to have anything to do with this, then you are majorly mistaken. You are actually cutting out this big chunk in the Word of God and throwing it away. No, we have to teach. And as we teach, people learn. Amen. But we must take God's word. I am a believer in the word of God, and I believe in the word of God entirely. From Genesis to the book of Revelation. Can someone say amen? So, so desire, once say desire. Say it again, desire. Very important. Say it with me. I desire the gifts of the Spirit in my life and in our church. Say it one, one more time. I desire the gifts of the Spirit in my life and, and in our church. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Notice the word desire comes up again. Pursue love but de and, and desire spiritual gifts. So let's desire spiritual gifts. Praise God. Now, just a brief review on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've told you, number one, they are all supernatural. Number two, they, are, they all manifest as the Spirit wills, not as we will. Number three, they are in three categories. You have the power gifts, uh, you have the revelation gifts, and you have the utterance gifts. Number four, they manifest for our profit. Number five, we have to desire these gifts, and that's our responsibility. Can someone say amen? Now, let's look at special faith. Special faith. First and foremost, I want us to look at what uh, the gift of faith is not before we look at what it is. Because if we know what it is not, it will help us understand what it is. So the gift of faith is not your general faith. Let me say that again. The gift of faith is not your general faith. Romans 12, 3 tells us that God has given each one a measure of faith. Now, that's not the gift of faith. Romans 12, 3 is not the gift of faith. That is a measure of faith imparted into your spirit when you just got saved. Notice it's a measure. So, or we can say, God has given to you a seed of faith. So when you gave your life to Christ, God gave you a seed or a measure. And I submit to you that the measure of faith that God gave to you is the same measure of faith that he gave to the next guy. God is not partial. God is no respecter of persons. I do not believe that God has given to one person a bigger measure of faith than he gave to the other person. Now, listen to me. This is important because sometimes you look at the way some people operate in faith and you are blown away by the way they operate in faith and how they see things happening in their lives and they are having results and they are not moved. They are not shaking by what's happening in the, in the world. And, and you watch them and you wonder, how come this man is not moved? How come he's getting all these results in the midst of what is happening? 
But you see that his testimony, it's not your testimony. And you question your faith and you question your life and you question if you are even a believer because you're comparing yourself with them. I need you to understand that that man that is having so much success with his faith has allowed his faith to grow. The Bible talks about the fact that your faith groweth. And so if you allow your faith to grow, you will get to the point where you begin to also see the same results that the man is seeing. But the reason why so many are not even seeing the kind of results that they're supposed to see is because they have allowed their faith, this, the measure that was given to them when they just got saved is probably the same size um, as it is or as it was when they first gave their lives to Jesus. So they are not allowing the seed of faith to grow. Notice when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Oh Lord, give us faith. Jesus said, If your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you shall say. See now, so it is in using your faith that it grows. Can someone say amen? So everyone has been given a measure. Right? Everyone has been giving a measure, and you've got to grow your measure. Romans 12, 3. You've been given that seed of faith. You've got to plant it. I tell Bible school students, you are in Bible school to learn how to use your faith. RBI students watching this right now, you must learn to use your faith. And I speak the same thing to everyone that's watching me right now. You must learn to use your faith. Your faith is like seed. And when you plant your seed in the ground, your seed will eventually grow and bear fruit. So start using your faith to believe for, in the meantime, small things. All the students are supposed to pay 40 U.S. dollars at the end of every, at the beginning of every session of Bible school, beginning of every session, you pay your $40, then you are eligible to sit through the, the session, and at the end of the session, you are eligible to write your exam. Use your faith for that. Oh, pastor, how do I do that? Well, you do that by stretching your faith. Praying and calling the money to come in. Pray and call the money to come in. Don't go around begging everybody to help you. No, pray and call the money to come. And you've got something little in your hands that you can sow. Maybe you have a dollar. You can say, Lord, I'm sowing this one dollar and I'm calling in my 40 Dollars for my school fees. Guess what? The Bible says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. So when you put in that one dollar in the offering and you sow it as a seed, the Lord will not just give you 40. I believe the Lord will give you more than 40. Because God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. According to the power that is at work in you. So the power of faith must be at work in you. So you've got to learn how to stretch yourself. You've got to learn how to stretch your faith. Listen, guys, you cannot grow in your walk with God if your faith is not growing. So we all have a measure. 
We all have a measure. I, I believe that is the reason why God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. But in actual fact, before you read verse number 8, God came to Joshua and said, Arise, for Moses, my servant, is dead. In other words, come to terms with this. Moses is dead. You are not going to see him again. The great leader who brought you guys out of Egypt. The great leader who with his rod opened up the Red Sea. Of course, God working through that man. The great leader who led you for all these years. This man is dead. Joshua, you've got to arise and you've got to take on this responsibility of leading the people into the land of promise. For you shall divide up the land amongst them. But in verse 8, God said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it. See, when you meditate on the word of God, you begin to grow your measure of faith. For you shall meditate on it day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. Now, you can look at day and night as day and night, literally, or you can look at day and night as consistently. You've got to meditate on the Word of God consistently. You've got to meditate on the Word of God day and night. Some people wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is Facebook. They wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is Instagram. They wake up in the morning, the first thing they look at is their phone to see who has messaged them on WhatsApp. No, listen, you start your day with the Word of God. You start your day with, listen God, I believe, start your day with the Lord and end your day with the Lord. Before you put your head on your pillow, the last thing that should be on your mind is the Lord and His Word. You wake up in the morning, the first thing that should be on your mind, and the first thing you should be looking at is the Lord and His Word. Come on, say amen. And as you do this, you begin to grow your faith. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night, so that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. The reason why many are not doing what is in the word of God is because they are not observing the word. That you may observe to do what is written in it. Watch as it says, what is the result? Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. In other words, your faith will so grow to the point where the impossibilities of life will not be able to withstand your faith. Now I'm just talking about your natural faith that was given, or I know it's spiritual, but your faith that was given to you when you became a child of God. For he has given to each one of us a measure of faith. And I believe the measure he gave me when I gave my life to Jesus is the measure that he's going to give the next guy who gives his life to God today. The same measure. God does not discriminate. He shows no partiality. But each of us must grow this faith. But this is not the gift of faith. That's number one. So this is not the gift of faith. This is your general faith. So I don't want you to confuse the gift of faith with your general faith. Or the faith that you received when you first gave your life to Jesus. This faith grows. But the gift of faith does not grow. In actual fact, the gift of faith is not your faith. The gift of faith is God's faith. You don't own it. The gift of faith is not faith you you, you grow when you want to. No, the gift of faith is God's faith given to you to accomplish a task. Are you seeing the difference? So the gift of faith, you can grow it. It is not the faith you grow by studying the Bible. It is not a faith at your disposal. 
It is not faith that you determine what to do with whenever you want to. Because the gift of faith is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit will flow as the Spirit wills, not as you will. But your own faith that groweth, your faith, the measure that was given to you, you can grow that measure whenever you want to, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the night. If all you want to do through the night is to sit under the word of God or before the word of God and just consume God's word, like God said to Joshua, and as you consume God's word, it will grow your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Maybe you have a particular area in your life where you feel that you are so weak and you are deficient in that area. Listen, you find the word of God that deals with that particular area and you feed the, that area with the word of God. And as you put the word of God in that area of your life, you will discover three months later, four months later, that area becomes one of your strongest areas. It might even be an area of weakness. It might be an area of bondage or an area of addiction. You've got to be strategic in putting the word of God that deals with that particular area and put that word in that area and you will see how you become victorious in that area. Many people have issues, addiction and stuff in different areas, but you cannot just go to the Bible and, and read the entire Bible and expect it to work. If you go to a doctor, what does a doctor do? The doctor will ask you questions. And based on the questions the doctor asks you, the doctor will determine what the problem is and will prescribe the right prescription for the sickness. He does not give you medicine to cure headache when you just complain that you're having stomach pain. Can someone say amen? So there, even though medicine, medicine, I mean the field of medicine is big. Right? That's how the word of God is big. And that's how life is big. But when you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor that uh, deals with a particular situation that you are suffering. Right? Is that correct? That's exactly how it works. And so the doctor will give you prescription and you will go to the pharmacist and you will buy the medication you need according to what the doctor has written down for you. So there are areas where you are weak. There are areas where you're not doing well. And that area is weak because your faith is weak in that area. So you take God's word and you feed God's word in that area. Maybe you need courage. You take God's word on, on courage. You feed yourself in that area and you will discover that, the, that your faith will rise in the area of courage. Maybe it's low self-esteem. You take God's word, you feed yourself in that area, and suddenly low self-esteem is removed, and here comes boldness and courage in your life. But this is not the gift of faith. Number two, this is not saving faith. We're looking at what the gift of faith is not. This is not saving faith. Romans 10, verse 8 to 10 says, But what... Does it say, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, watch this, you will be saved. So this is saving faith. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I understand we can use these verses 
in our daily life, whether you're dealing with something or you want to overcome something, whatever it is, where with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But to be specific, this is saving faith. Let's look at it again. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sozo. So when the gospel comes to the un unsaved, to the unbeliever, as the word of God comes, faith comes along with that word. What faith comes with that word? Saving faith. Saving faith. Because by grace are ye saved through faith. By grace are ye saved through faith. By grace are ye saved through faith. Not of your works. It is the gift of God. So that faith that comes to you uh, or to somebody who is not born again, it's a gift that comes from God. But it's the faith that brings them to salvation. Are you seeing that? That is the faith that brings them to salvation. This is not the gift of faith. Now let's look at the gift of faith. The gift of faith is supernatural faith that comes upon you to accomplish a specific task. Do not miss that word, supernatural. It is supernatural faith that comes upon you to accomplish a specific task. Let me describe it this way. It is like God unscrewing your head and emptying you out. All the doubt and all the unbelief that will stop you from receiving this miracle. This is an impossible situation that is in front of you right now. And all the doubt and unbelief that will stop you. Your own personal faith has not come to the level where you can call that thing in. But by the gift of faith, God will unscrew your own head and God will pour his own faith into you and screw your head back. And when you see that situation, you see it the way God sees it. Just momentarily, you will see that situation as God sees it. And you and I know that there is nothing too big for our God. There's nothing impossible with God. The gift of faith is God's faith placed in you to receive a miracle. Notice, it is to receive a miracle. So the gift of faith is given for you to receive a miracle. You don't own it. It is God's faith. But given to you at that moment to receive a miracle. Now the gift of working on miracles is working a miracle. But the gift of faith is receiving a miracle. Do you see the difference? The gift of working on miracles is you working a miracle, but the gift of faith is you receiving a miracle. Are you getting that? So by the gift of working on miracles, you work a miracle, but by the gift of faith, you receive a miracle. Praise God. Praise God. You know, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. I honestly, I truly believe that the gift of faith kicked in. Now, some of these things, as we look at them, we, we observe as, we, as you study the Bible that these things also operated in the Old Testament. Now, we know that under the Old Testament, they did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. We, we understand that. But we see that these gifts would operate 
in them, especially the gift of working of miracles. We see that a lot in the Old Testament. That's why when I was teaching on the gift of the working of miracles, I talked about Moses, I talked about Elijah, right? Of course, these men were anointed, but of course, they were not born again. We understand that nobody under the Old Testament was born again. Now, the gift of faith, I believe, with Daniel as he was thrown into the lion's den. I mean, you, you know that, that even, you, even if you believe in Jesus, you know, and they want to throw you into a, a den of lions, you will panic. I'm not saying you will give up your faith in Christ, but you will panic. You will panic. I truly believe that the gift of faith kicked in in, in Daniel. And when they threw him into the lion's den, notice the man was there relaxing in the lion's den. Not huffing and puffing and, and panicking and running around scared. No, he was there relaxed in, 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 the, in the lion's den. And when the king came the next day and said, Oh, Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you from the lions? He said, he said the Lord, my, my God sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lions. Praise God. I believe the gift of faith kicked in. Amen. In the midst of lions. Hungry lions. Now when you look closely at your own life, because I have also done, I've done what I'm about to tell you. You look closely at your life, you will discover that there are some gifts that are more prevalent in your life. There are some gifts that are more prevalent. I mean, they are, they are more, uh, they are more in action than others. There are more there. You can see that, and and it's important to 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 know this, to take inventory of your life and say which gift is more prevalent in my life. Last week I talked about. I, I just find it easy to pray. For people who want a baby, I just find it easy. I, I don't, how do I explain it? Well, I don't really have words to say that. Someone comes to me, I'm believing for a child. Okay, Lord, bless them with a child. That's it. it. It's just that easy. We don't have to, I don't necessarily have to go through one hour of prayer and binding and loosing and casting out. In one case, I, I, I put a couple uh, in a three-day fast. In just one case, put a couple in a three-day fast. I felt there was something spiritual about their situation, and it broke. It broke, and God blessed them with children today. You know, but in other cases, it was like one minute prayer, bless, bless, receive, Lord, bless them with a baby in Jesus' name. That that was it, and and boom, the baby came. So you need to know what's working. Amen. You need to know what's working, and and if you know what's working, my God, work the thing. <laughs> if it's working, you work it. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, revelation gives work. Um, it's a constant, consistent thing in my personal life. It works. Now, I'm not saying everything I've seen is of God. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm not telling you that every dream I had was from God. Because some dreams are not from God. Some dreams are not from God. And if I know a dream is not from God, what do you do? Throw it away. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Some things you dream because you, you had a conversation in the day. Some things you dream because you ate too much before you went to bed. Some things you dream because 
you're worried. Just different things. But you know, when that dream is from God, there is an anointing on it. I know like I know my name. I know that this is from God. So knowing that this is what works and knowing how, how it works is very important. It's very important. Now, as we look at the gift of faith, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was a man who walked in the gift of faith. Now, you know, today many people sing the praise of the man, a British man who, an English man who uh, was an illiterate, started his full-time ministry at the age of 56. So if you, if you are in your 40s, in your 50s, and you think you haven't achieved much, be encouraged. <laughs> he started his full-time ministry at the age of 56, and he ran for, I guess, 25 years. And raised, God used him to raise about 27 people back to life from the dead. He got into a train and met with two Catholic priests who were sitting on the train. The man carried such glory, such anointing. And when he walked onto the train, the Catholic priest stood up and walked out. They said, your face convict us of sin. Walked out. So, um, accomplished great things. 56 years of age, started the ministry, filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and, and began to do great things for the kingdom of God. So today, people talk about him, but back in the day, when he was alive, I'm sure, I'll tell you, if he was alive today, many will criticize him. But those that are already... Uh, running a Facebook ministry, criticism ministry, uh, accusation a, a, a ministry that they run on Facebook and, and all other platforms, social media platforms. Because some people think they are the watchdog of the church. They are the ones that have been sent to correct everyone's doctrine. If Smith Wigglesworth was alive today, people, these people would criticize him. Because he, he used to, people would line up. The man was a man of faith. He operated in the gift of faith. They even referred to him as the apostle of faith. People would line up in the healing line. And when he goes to them to pray, he would punch them. And when he punched them, they were healed. Now you punch people today. My God. They might even sue you. But of course he did it in the anointing and in faith. You know, and I'm saying that to say that some of these people that we sing their praises today, unfortunately, people sing their praises when they have died and gone. But when they are alive, nobody wants to sing their praise. When they are alive, nobody wants to recognize them. When they are alive, people are criticizing them and speaking all manner of evil stuff against them. I was reading my Bible the other day, and I just began to think to myself, some of the things that are in the Bible does not make... Look, I don't even think anything in the Bible makes sense, but there are just some things in the Bible that does not really make any sense. They are... They, they are some, of these, some of these things that were done in the Bible by, by men of God are very difficult things for people that are in our day and time to comprehend or to even accept. 
I read the other day, I think this was Elisha. When Elisha went to the house of the, the, the woman whose son was dead, right? The Shunammite, whose son was dead. The Bible says Elisha lay upon the young man, upon the young, this boy was probably 14 years of age, put his mouth to the boy's mouth, laid a light, I mean laid on the boy, just on him. I mean like mouth contact. I was thinking to myself, who will accept that today? Who will accept that today? But that's what he did, and the Bible says that the boy came back to life. That is unconventional. Smith Wigglesworth will punch people in the healing line. That is unconventional. So some of the things, that's what I'm saying, some of the things you read in the Bible, they are not conventional things. They are not things that people in our day and time will accept. Oh, why is that man operating like that? Acts chapter 19, the Bible says, God walked on usual miracles by the hands of Paul, that from his body, handkerchiefs, aprons, taking and put upon the sick, and, and, and the devils left them and they were healed. But who had seen that before? Who had seen that? They put people out on the streets, <coughs> excuse me, on stretchers, and, and were hoping that the shadow of Peter might fall upon them. Who had seen that before? Who had seen that? Jesus spat in the ground and made clay and put it on the eyes of the blind man and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Who had seen that? These are, these are unconventional things. And the Bible tells us that there are many miracles that Jesus did that if they were reading, books in the world would not contain these miracles. So if he spat in the ground and made clay, I wonder what he must have done that the Bible does not even record. So today people want to sing the praise of men who have died and gone home to be with the Lord. Oh, wow, great man of God, great man of faith. If Smith Wigglesworth was punching people today, people would put him up on Facebook and they would criticize what kind of a man of God is this punching women. This man does not have respect for people. What, you have no dignity for people. Now, I'm not saying there are no extremes. There are extremes. I know there are people acting crazy today in the name of the gospel. But we have to be discerning so that we know which one is real and which one is fake. But we live in such a time where some people don't even know the real, and so they just begin to run their mouth and criticize that which is from God. Because they haven't read their Bibles. They said, the sto story has it that they gave him a, a, a child, a dead child. He picked up the child, Smith Wigglesworth picked up the child and, and threw the dead child and kicked the baby. And the baby flew and when the baby landed, the baby came back to life. Well, what kind of, what, 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 why will he kick the baby? Why did he not gently carry the baby and, and call out the baby and just praise gently? No, no, he did not. He kicked the baby like a football. 
And when the baby landed on the ground, the baby came back to life. What do you want? You want the baby to come back to life or you want the baby to be cuddled and, 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 and stay in death? Which one do you want? So if kicking the baby and, <laughs> and the baby flying in the air and landing on the ground and, and the baby comes back to life healthy and strong, if that is what's going to bring life, praise God. See, see, some men of God, some men of God have done some crazy things. And I say crazy things to say that they do not, they do not flow with, with your natural uh, understanding and with the way you think things are supposed to be done. But if those things are done by the leading of the Spirit, then you shut your mouth. You have no business to criticize that. But, so, but we must test. Bible said to test every spirit to know which one is of God. So that's what we do. People have asked me questions about this popular preacher in Nigeria. I wouldn't mention his name. What do you think about this man? No, I'm not thinking about him. What should I think about him? Why should I even think about him? Why don't I just mind my business? Oh, it's the body of Christ. Yes, the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the body and let him take care of the people. Let him take care of the people. My job is to preach the word of God. My job is to preach the truth. And when people hear the truth, they will know when error is told to them. They will know when lies are preached. They will, they will know when somebody is operating with a familiar spirit. So it's not my job to scrutinize everyone that's doing ministry today to find out who is of God and who is not of God. Like if I find out who is not of God, I'm going to do, what am I going to do? Go on social media and tell everybody publicly, that man is not of God, don't follow him. That will not even stop people from following him. Preach the word. When you preach the truth, when you put the word in people, listen, the word of God is going to save them. When they know how to follow the Holy Spirit for themselves, when they hear a message that's not of God, they would know by the Spirit. Romans 8, I believe it's verse, verse 16, if I'm not mistaken, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. So the Spirit of God in them will bear witness that this is of God and this is not of God. That's what I believe we need to do. Because all the unnecessary stuff people are saying on, on Facebook and on Instagram and on YouTube, I don't think it's really making any impact. The more you, you're actually promoting the person's ministry. But I'm saying all of that to imply that some of the men that we talk about today and people, the body of Christ sing their praises today. The body of Christ was not singing their praises when they were alive. They were attacked. Some of them even died in, 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 in isolation. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with them at a certain age. Nobody would visit them. Nobody would spend time, especially when some of them got to the age of 80, 85, 90. They were left to just die. Nobody would visit them. People would not even spend time with them anymore. And these are men that brought us the move of God. These are men that, that plowed, I mean, hard ground. These were men, these were trailblazers. Today they want to talk about, oh, Smith Wigglesworth. Oh, A.A. Allen. And we had, we had one in Nigeria. My God, growing up as a kid, I was in Lagos, Nigeria, and this man was in Benin, uh, Benin City in Nigeria. Uh, Archbishop Benson Idahosa. Today, people are singing, pray, go on YouTube. Oh, Idahosa, this Idahosa, that. When he was alive, he was a general. He was this, he was that. But when he was alive, I was in Lagos hearing all the, I mean, criticisms about him. 
They said he was using juju. They said he was using voodoo and all of that to do all the stuff that he did. No, he wasn't. He was a man of God. And I was in Lagos. I was hearing some of this stuff. Oh, Idahosa was this. Idahosa was that. But now he's gone home to be with Jesus. People are now singing prayer. Most ministers now in, 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 in Africa want to associate with Idahosa. In one way or another. Oh, I was in his this. I, I was in his that. Oh, I knew him. I, no, when he was alive, many were criticizing him. He was also used mightily, mightily by, of God to raise the dead. He, he was used powerful in the gift of faith. Raising the dead. Interesting. Some people don't value something until they lose it. I pray that that's not our portion in Jesus' name. And for you that is here at the river, you've got to value what God has given to us. God has given us something that so many people in the... I'm telling you, I've been to some places. Sometimes people would leave this church and go to another to understand what they had. And I'm not speaking negatively of other churches, but I'm telling you, I've had people tell me, Pastor, I was in Paris the other day, and I said, hey guys, why are you not going to church? Somebody said, oh, Pastor, there is no church. No, no, there are churches, but I know what the guy meant when he said there is no church. Basically, there is no church that will give me what I had when I was in the River Church in Istanbul. And I'm not praising, uh, 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 blowing my trumpet, but I'm telling you, it's a fact. Somebody came to me and said, oh, Pastor God, well, thank God. I mean, the, the, this lady was so excited. Like, like basically, I, I'm paraphrasing. Thank God for finding your church. Thank God for finding the river. The place that I was, I was, I was put in a straight jacket. This is the way the lady described it. I was in a straight jacket. You know when you're putting a straight jacket, can't even move. And she was describing a church where she was coming from. So sometimes people don't value self until they lose it. May God open our eyes to see. May God open our eyes to really understand, to comprehend, and to appreciate what we have. think I'm teaching good today. Say amen. Watch this now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's something I want to show you. Look here. Thank you, Jesus.
Look at Acts chapter 9. I'm going to start wrapping up this. Acts chapter 9. We're going to read from verse 39. Acts 9.39. Looking at the gift of faith. Then Peter arose and went with them. This was uh, after the death of Dorcas. Okay. Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Verse 40 is an interesting verse. I'm going to show you the gift of faith here in operation. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now watch this. He put them all out, so he was in the room with the corpse, the lady's body. He knelt down and prayed. I believe this is what Smith Wigglesworth was saying when he said, he said it this way. He said, I pray in my faith and with my faith until the gift of faith is released. Let me say that again. He said, I pray and I press in with my faith. Until I break into the gift of faith. Now that's why I told you earlier on. You have to know the gift that works in you. Or it's not that you own it. But it has become so consistent in your life. And you can tell this is something that God um, has given to me. Even though I'm not in control of the, like in my case, the gift of uh, the revelation gifts. I'm not in control of the gifts. You know, I don't go to bed hoping to dream a dream. I don't sit in my office hoping to fall into a trance. But these things happen as the Spirit of God wills. But I know that they can happen and I know they will keep happening. <coughs> so Smith Wigglesworth said, because he knew he was a man who operated in the gift of faith. So when he came in front of a situation that seemed impossible for his own faith to bring back to life or for him to receive a miracle, he said, I pray in my faith until I get to the gift of faith. So notice what Peter did. Peter came and he was in this room with this woman. Notice he did not, he did not just say come back to life. No. The Bible says to us here. He knelt down and he prayed first. He knelt down and prayed. I believe he was doing what Smith Wigglesworth talked about. Watch this. And he prayed. And watch this. And turning to the body. So when he was praying, he wasn't even looking at the dead body. But he was just communing with God. I believe he was getting to the place where the gift of faith would kick in. Because really, to be, th to be honest with you, those that are called into the office of the apostle, they need the gift of faith in operation in their lives. Pastor Rodney will tell you that's the gift that I believe that God has given to me. So I operate in the gift of faith. Pastor Corey, he says, I operate in the gift of faith. It's the gift of faith. They call things to happen. They just call things and, and they happen. Not in their own faith, but the gift of faith will kick in and they will call things. It's the ability to receive a miracle. <laughs> Praise God. So apostles operate in the gift of faith. You need it. Watch this. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. You see, but initially he was praying to God. And I believe when the gift of faith kicked in, he turned to the body and he said, Arise, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, Peter, she sat up. Verse 41, Then he gave her his hand 
and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, when I talked about Elisha and the, uh, the Shunammite, the Shunammite had taken care of Elisha for some time, and Elisha said, okay, what shall be done for you? By this time next year, you shall have a son. That's the gift of faith. That's the gift of faith. To receive a miracle. Are you seeing that? And when the child died, Elisha sent his servant, said, go take my rod, take, take, take my staff, go put it upon the child. The servant went, did nothing happen. <laughs> He came back and said, nothing happened, Master. So Elisha had to go himself. Amen. So notice Peter prayed, looking away from the corpse. And then, when the gift of faith kicked in, he turned to the body and called her back to life. You know, so many people don't operate in the gift of faith because they don't even use their own faith. People want, oh Lord, give me this gift. Well, you haven't even started using your own faith. The one that God has already given to you that you need to build by the word of God and with the word of God. So this gift of faith is not your regular daily faith. It is not at your disposal whenever you want it. It's not, it doesn't flow whenever you wish. Oh, I want the gift of faith right now. I'm going to operate in gift of faith. No, just like I cannot just say, oh, I'm going to prophesy right now. No. I cannot just say, oh, I'm going to see a vision right now. No. So all these gifts uh, uh, will flow as the Spirit of God wills. But it's important to understand the one that it's prevalent in your life. Have you been blessed today? 